it was like a combo. It was like not just putting yourself down, but also like you have to be your biggest fan. And to the point where like sometimes it's funny, but I'd be like, yo, good shit. Like that was good. This is for the others out there. The other ambitious people who want to play at a higher level in their life. It's time to get curious and get real. Join me and together, let's find the others. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Find the Others podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Church here. New episodes dropping every Wednesday and Sunday. Be sure to hit subscribe so you can get the notification when a new episode drops and follow me on Instagram at Joshua Dean Church to keep up with the latest clips. And if you're enjoying the podcast, you find something might be valuable, something shifts your perspective, be sure to share it with a friend who also might be into it so that together we can grow our tribe of others. Now, today I am pumped to bring you a conversation I had with Kelsey Plum. Kelsey is a good friend uh, from high school, and she is currently a professional basketball player for the Las Vegas Aces. After breaking the NCAA Division I women's all-time scoring record, she was drafted number one overall in the 2017 WNBA draft. The list of accolades and records she's broken in basketball go on and on and on, but the thing that those accolades don't capture is her unbelievable energy, spirit, and enthusiasm for life, which we definitely uncover a bit here. So we talk a lot about her current recovery from a torn Achilles, her evolving mindset, learning to deal with celebrity status, the media expectations, and her role in changing women's basketball. I feel really, really inspired and lit up after this conversation, and I hope you do too. Be sure to give her a follow on Instagram at KelseyPlum10. Without further ado, Kelsey Plum. Kelsey. Oh, what's up? What's up? I needed that. Yeah, that's good, huh? Shifts the energy a little bit. Man. More breathing. More breathing. That's all I know. I love that. I Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. Yeah, I needed to do that. Yeah. I used to have like reminders set up on my phone every couple hours. Take a deep breath. <sighs> used to? Yeah, because now I just do it instinctively. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's become habit. Yeah. Usually it goes the other way for me. Usually I'm just like, this is over. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like all right, like we moved on for this. Right. We moved on. It's good. It's, uh, you know, uh, our, our body chemistry changes with every breath we take, which is pretty trippy. There you go. Sounds like something we learned in high school chemistry class, right? I mean, maybe you. I, I don't know how I survived 100 day chemistry. Somehow you did. I think I got that B minus minus. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it was like that 80.00. Yep. Oh my goodness. Yep. Oh gosh. Oh man. Well, I'm so stoked that you're here. Thanks for coming on. I'm pumped for this uh this conversation here. And welcome back to San Diego. Thank you. Your Thank hometown. you. Man, it's been a minute. Yeah. Does it feel how how long has it been since you've been back in San Diego? Well, we were talking about how, you know, last time we saw each other it's was been years. four or five years. I actually was here. Four months ago, so okay. I, I tore my Achilles. So I was um, got surgery in LA, and I couldn't get on a flight yet. So I drove down to San Diego, and I was in basically bed rest for two weeks. Yeah, in the living room. Oh, because like can't, you can't go upstairs or anything. Oh. So just laying on the bed in the living room, and of course, like the living room is not designed for someone living there. Um, so like, even though the name suggests exactly, it is. <laughs> so ironic. The windows are open. I hear like wolves at night, like the birds wake me up at 5 a.m. Like it was just, it was a tough two weeks. It Dang. really was. Yeah, it, it was okay. People would make coffee at 6 a.m. And I'm like, why are you up? Like what's happening? <laughs> like go back to sleep. So You're not an early bird? I thought you were an early bird. I am until like life shuts off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel Yeah, <laughs> yeah so. Uh, how's the I'm, How's the recovery process been? It's been great. Yeah. I, I feel so um, just blessed. I feel like, you know, if you're going to tear your Achilles, it might as well be in a pandemic when the world is kind of at a stop. Um, and I've just had great doctors, great trainers. Yeah. Like, I've just been super fortunate. So I'm trying to focus on um, what's ahead and like how I'm doing versus, you know, um, yeah, it wasn't the greatest 
feeling of all time. But I think looking back um, and as I continue to look back, it'll be probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Interesting. Tell me more. Why? Like, why can you say that with confidence now? I think that um, I had gotten to a, in a point in my life where um, I, th- I felt so much pressure and there was a lot of um, missing pieces in- internally. And I think that, dang, <laughs> getting into a deep already. <laughs> oh, we, jo- we dive right in. There's no shallow end here, no shallow water over I should have known. I should have yeah. known. Um, I think that it was one of those points and I, I have faith and I believe that it was like the only way for God to get me to like stop, like physically stop. Um, and I really believe I needed it. Mm. That's beautiful because you've been in pretty much go, go, go mode for for a while. I mean, you know me probably since I was like, what? I picked up a ball since I was like 10. Yeah. Yeah. Basketball has been your focus, your life. Yeah, pretty much. And now you're presented with an with an opportunity where you're forced to not focus on basketball. What was that like? To the point where I would get anxiety if I was doing nothing, which I knew was like super problematic, right? Because I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, I'm laying in bed. There's nothing that I can do, right? Like it got to the point where I figured out that if I held ice packs, so basically when you get surgery like that, you can't get an infection, mm-hmm. right? So the the uh, tissue and the uh, stitches have to heal properly, right? So because of that, uh, you don't want to sweat. So I'm like, it's what, July in yeah. San Diego? And like my parents aren't going to turn on the AC. So <laughs> I'm holding ice packs as I'm doing Pilates because it's like the only thing I can get my mind to like settle down Hmm. and I'm realizing I'm like this is so problematic like I have a problem you know what I mean yeah yeah so it's interesting well anxiety here's here's something that I've learned is that the anxiety actually isn't a problem it's a brilliant feedback mechanism Hmm. because it's our body saying hey bring attention to me the same way pain is in our body like there's a lot of people and and oftentimes and this is something that I've seen a lot in the like positive thinking brainwashing space where it's just like think positive think positive Think positive, but you silence out what can be really helpful. You wouldn't be experiencing if it wasn't there to help you in the first place. So it's mm. almost like that anxiety is a voice. It's kind of like a part of you that's raising your hand saying like, hey, pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. And it can feel problematic, but the problem is not that voice. It's what happens when you focus on that. Did you did you did you feel that at all? Like when you were what was your relationship with that? Like anxiety as you're talking about, because I think a lot of us can relate to that in different ways. I mean, I felt it when you just said it to me. Um, Gosh, that's super, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Yeah, I just think it was, um, my life is so chaotic and it goes from one place to the next and there's not really any beginning, middle or end. It's just like, all right, I have a game, I have this game, I'm going to this country, I'm going to this country. And then by the time like you stop, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who Mm -hmm. I was. I didn't know... uh, like what was important to me. Like, it was just like, oh my gosh, what's happening, right? Uh, so I think that anxiety, you're right, is probably a great indicator of um, what are my, my values? What are my priorities? What matters to me? Um, where's my balance? Where's my center? Um, so it's been really humbling. It's been really humbling and it's been really, um, I just feel super grateful, mm. you know? Yeah. Cause I think that if I wouldn't have gotten hurt, I would have just continued in that cycle. And ultimately, I don't think I would have ended up in a good place. Right. Because where does that end? Probably when your career ends and then maybe the stakes are a bit higher, maybe differently. I don't know. Right. The fact that you're able to have you're able to use this opportunity now to work through this. I feel like that's probably where that gratitude comes from. And what? What is your third year in the league? Fourth? third? Yeah, this would have been four. This would have been four. So I'll have four next year. Got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really crazy. And I mean, look, like that's 
it's it's really interesting to hear that because I think so many of us like feel that in our own ways or there's almost that like there's almost that thing that we know we're kind of putting off or the thing that we know we're kind of just ignoring because we can be focused on, you know, if it's not game to game, it's email to email, it's busy work, whatever. And we it's easy to the de- the default is to neglect the important questions or the important stuff that's kind yeah. of bubbling up in the background. And if we don't deal with that, then it ends up like life will force us to deal with it at some extent. So um, it, I, I like how you said gratitude. Like, I, I feel grateful for that. Mm-hmm. What, what role does gratitude play for you in your life? Because I, I consider you to be a very, like, grateful and happy person. I think those two are really linked. What, what role does gratitude have for you? I, I feel like we've always connected because I really appreciate your energy, right? And that, I think, comes from being centered in gratitude. Yeah. I lost that. And I think that I finally got it back. Mm, you know yeah um and when you lose it i don't know if you've ever lost it but when you lose it you just feel off is not the term it's like uh it's it's uh i can't really describe it it's just one of those feelings of like this isn't right and everything feels like a task everything feels like ugh i gotta work out again or ah, i gotta go watch i gotta do this i have to do this no you get to Mm. Right. And so I just think understanding my purpose and understanding like, all right, I'm here because I know I can bring an energy and I can, you know, energy we know like never gets like it's just transferred. Right. Right. I was like, I'm an energy bringer. And I was like, I haven't been doing that. Like, I think my purpose has been lacking. And so I just in all this understanding that that's the way I impact people. Mm. And um I think that's more powerful than anything than basketball can do than whatever. So um, fortunately, I think that and don't get me wrong. It's not like like the light, the light switched, but there's a lot of, you know, growth in that. Um, But just knowing that I feel like I'm on the right track makes it feel a lot better. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that's wonderful to hear also. Like, I love that because like that, that to me is synonymous with Kelsey Plum. Like that's (laughs) when we were joking around in math class in high school, like pulling pranks on people and teachers and everything in between. Um, Like that was like so much of that, you know, that, that joy almost. And one of the questions that I wanted to ask you was how did, you know, that, that joy of basketball, whenever you were around the court, whenever you were playing, like you were, there was like this, you could see that spark almost you were bringing to the game. And even I saw you play in college, you tore up Stanford one of those times. It was awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you, you, you had that, like w- what shifts when now this is your job, this is your profession. Like did that shift? What was that transition like for you? Oh, I mean, when you go from happy go lucky like, there's no secret. I'm this like five eight white kid from Poway, California, right? I walk into the gym half the time. I'm asked if I'm the athletic trainer. <laughs> Still to this day, like sometimes in WNBA arenas, uh, they'll stop me and be like, "Excuse me, players only." And so, like, I always like love that. I relished in it. I just had a lot of fun with it, right? Just unassuming, go out and just ball. I think that when I became a professional, a lot of the external factors of uh, the pressure and being, you know, the number one pick and scoring all these points in college and um, just having the expectations of set so high that I felt like it was just unobtainable. Mm. And it's really frustrating because it felt like it was never good enough. Like it didn't matter um, if I played well or didn't play well. And then also my indicators of what does playing well look like, you know, in college, if you play well, um, you know, you could probably score 30 points or something like that, right? And people are excited. In the pros, that's not the same thing. That's not my role. Everyone, it's a different level. It's just a different dynamic. So like in pros, a good game is like 15 and six. Mm-hmm. And I, if I'd get that, I'd be like, ugh. And it's just not really understanding now like what what is success look like. And just having to redefine that over the years and then getting so frustrated when I felt like I didn't get that. Um, so, yeah, it makes it not fun. Yeah. You know, it yeah. feels like you're always not good enough. Um, and so I think this whole shift of learning, like, wait a second, like my reality has been set in a different place and I need to move it. Um, and so I just think that's not settling. That's just for me knowing um, you know, how I can make an impact and things like that on the court, off the court, how I impact my teammates. Um 
So, yeah, I mean, it's been a challenge. And then the thing about it is no one, no one tells you how to do any of this. It's like you have to figure it out. Like, I love my parents. I love my friends. But, like, no one's ever done this, right? right? So they're like, how do you, you know, starting point guard in the WNBA? How do you – no one knows, right? So the advice they give you is very, like, you got it, you know? <laughs> so no shame on them. It's just, like, I have to figure it out. So um, I just think that I've failed forward a lot. I've just mm. tried to keep failing in a way that's like, all right, that didn't work. Let's try something else. Let's try something else. And I finally feel like even this season, if it's not exactly the way I want it, I know that the growth has been made to getting to that point where I want to be. Yeah, very, very good. Yeah, you're defining success for yourself. And I think I love the parallel, not only in your game, how your game changes, Mm -hmm. but in your life in general. Like, what does success look like for your life? And so many people that are unhappy that I work with or I've seen, it's because they're following what somebody else's definition of success looks like, right? There's kind of this mainstream idea of like, this is what success is, but really it's different for everybody. And we have to find that ourselves. I think our education system should be the ones helping us teach that more of like, here's how we define success for ourselves. But, you know, the best way we learn is just by experiencing and going and doing it. So you're doing it. <laughs> That's a fact. Side note, we never even I don't know if anyone knows, but like those math classes that we took together, like some of those stories, I don't even know if we could share publicly, but like you <laughs> just skipped over all. that. And I was like, yeah. wait, you got to share something. <laughs> There's a rabbit hole there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we uh we, <laughs> we had fun in math class senior year. We used to tr- we used to try to figure out Josh I and there's a guy uh, named Yassi and we were all friends, we'd all sit together. We used to try to figure out how long we could keep <laughs> Mr. Shaw off track. Right? Yeah. And we would just ask Josh had the best questions. Like I'm like who thinks of that? So Josh would ask some like brilliant like Mr. Shaw, have you ever have you ever thought of uh, and I don't even yeah. know where you would take it. And then he'd answer and then Yussi would do like a follow up and the follow up we'd we'd build out like 35 minutes of class time based on these questions so we didn't have to do any work. Oh my gosh. And I love that because that was more valuable than anything else because we actually got some wisdom from a man who's been through some life stuff Fact. and like has some wisdom to share. Fact. Way better than learning math topics. I mean, you guys were more strategic. I would just try to bring him a Diet Dr. Pepper so I didn't have you to do You did that. You did that <laughs> yeah, with ice, sure. right? You like the ice. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's so good. I love that. Okay, so, so I mean, like you had some... Uh, I'm curious to know about like the like you were kind of just talking about there, but the expectations almost that were placed on you, right? Setting the record for all time points in in women's college basketball and then being the number one draft pick. Like what was your mentality going into that first season? Like, did you feel that stress at an all time high? At what point did that shift? At what point did you say, I need to f- forget about this and focus on my game? Like, did that shift happen during the first year, second year? Like, when did that happen? Well, I remember it was funny. I thought this came out. It was like some ESPN poll and it was like, how many points do you think Kelsey is going to average her rookie year? (laughs) And the poll was like, because in college I had averaged over 30, right? And the poll was like, I don't know, 10 or no, it wasn't, excuse me, it wasn't 10. It was like, it was like 17, 22, 25, 27. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, you're asking people to like, oh, you know, 17 points a game to just to give you perspective. Last season, not this past season, last season, Elena Deladon was the MVP. Mm-hmm. She had one of the best seasons in league history and she averaged 18 points a game. Mm. And she's a 6-6 power forward slash <laughs> post player. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm just like... Yeah. What? You know what I'm saying? And so I just think that um, I had realized along that first rookie season how much I allowed people's like words of affirmation to be a part of my confidence Mm. and how dangerous that is. Interesting. Because I don't think I realized it until the, the feedback was negative. And it was like, she's, she's overrated. She sucks. You know, she's not, she's not gonna be able to like, you know, translate to league or whatever. And I'm like, I I was wondering, I'm like, why does this bother me so much Mm. when I never thought it bothered me before, but for four years, I never heard, 
I mean, I heard some, but like I heard all good. Right. Right. And so I just think I had been so accustomed to like getting built up by other people's, you know, praise. And so just having to like, like you talked about earlier, relearn, like, wait a second. It comes from here. It doesn't come from anywhere else. Right. So that's not an easy process. That's like, uh, that, that's been taking time. I mean, still to this day, I think I still deal with it in a way. Um, so yeah, you're, we're year four. We'll check in next year. Yeah, that's t- I mean, that's life work right there, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that's tough. That's really, really. T- what what were what are some of the things that are helping you as you're in that process of relearning? And you mentioned faith. What what role does faith play for you in your life? Yeah, I think faith and just um, I think meditation. Mm-hmm. I think well, with the faith part, I think knowing God has a plan for me, knowing that if I do what I can, if I control what I can control. Um, I got to let everything else go and like, that's just, it's it's not on me. Yeah. So not trying to like, you know, control what people think or what people say. It's just like, all right, you know what? You're entitled to feel how you want to feel. And also I think, um, anytime I reacted to a feeling, having conversations of like, all right, why does that bother you? Is that valid? Um, and like just kind of processing, um, like taking a, a lot of the emotion out of it. Cause I think a lot of times our feelings are hurt, but we don't know where it comes from. So, I mean, she's like I said, it's, it's, it's not easy. And, and you know what? It's made me really, uh, change my perspective on, uh, being critical to other people. Hmm. Cause I think that especially I mean, we see it on the platform with like more celebrities and pro sports, but, um, people are so tough on, young, young people. I mean, you're 20, 21 years old and you're trying to figure out who you are and you got the whole world, you know, uh, just on you, like saying this and that. And as a WNBA player, that's a smaller scale. Like I look at some of these NBA rookies and I'm like, poor LaMelo. Right. Like people are just, I'm like, people suck. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let the kid be. Yeah. But I get it. It's pro sports. You make money. People have a right. You know, it's it's a lot. There's a lot of dynamics there. There is. Uh-huh. There certainly is. And with, with nobody, like you mentioned, like there's no playbook on how to deal with that. If it wasn't a class you could have taken at college, right? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> like there's no playbook. I mean, so you're having to deal with that. And then these young players have to deal with that in, in, a, in a very real way, which I'm sure can be challenging. Jeez. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about um, you mentioned like so WNBA, NBA. I'd love to get like I'd love to get the skinny on the. <laughs> okay. okay. I, I want to hear more because I know that like I know that the WNBA is is a growing sport. Is that right? Is mm-hmm. that right? Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Right. OK, cool. I've been tuning in and it's been awesome. Like I love it first and foremost. What what kind of what kind of shifts do you see are happening with women's basketball in general and how do you see your role in that? That's a great question. I think that first and foremost, you're right, it's growing. Um we signed a new CBA. So the, What does that mean? Uh collective bargaining agreement. Yeah. So just to be able to uh now it, you know, the older players put a lot of work and sacrifice to fight for some of our rights, right? So the collecting bar- bargaining agreement, um, people don't understand, like the Players Association, uh, when we talk about, you know, they'll say things in the media like Chris Paul or something like that, or Neka Bumake, she's our uh, president. Um, they basically fight against the league mm-hmm. and like general managers to get more for the players. So we negotiated um, like childcare, um, like anything from um, more opportunities outside of basketball, internships, mm. that type of stuff. Obviously, higher salary was a big premium. Right. That's what people wanted. So when you go into negotiations, you can't have everything, right? So you kind of have to pick and choose what the players want and then also push the envelope for the future, right? So I think they've done a phenomenal job. Um, obviously, there's a ton of room to grow. But I think what's really cool about this next generation is that we have a generation of female athletes coming in to college now and then obviously high school, college, and then into the pros. And they're the best best athletes we've seen. I mean, there's girls dunking in college games right now. Um, There's girls playing like and one mixtapes out there. Like we have some really fun, exciting basketball. And I think people are starting to – separate the narrative of like women's basketball right. and basketball right. and just appreciate it for what it is. Like, wait a second, that girl is really fun to watch, period. And so I think that 
it's funny. It's interesting you say it because like once people tune in, they really like it. Yeah. But it's just, it's that initial jump and it's hard because there's a lot of pushback from like, stay in the kitchen and make me sandwich yeah, I mean, and all that's that. like what we grew up hearing and like was part of the mainstream like jokes and stuff like that right <laughs> no. like, oh yeah you <laughs> threw in a couple i'm sure <laughs> don't let him think that he's innocent he's no, not definitely he's not. not definitely not that is what it is and then all of a sudden you realize like wait a sec like this doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah oh eddie was the worst yeah oh gosh oh <laughs> uh, it's funny like they're funny but you just, you just can't yeah. <laughs> so, so what do you see as, um, I, I'm, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about that because when I was learning a bit more about, like there was a few, th- a few years ago, maybe it was more recently, but there was a whole thing around the, maybe it was the CBA around increasing the pay. Mm-hmm. And I know that there was this, I, this thing of like equal pay and people were like, well, that you can't, you know, equal pay doesn't make sense. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I think that people get, um, misunderstood when they talk about, um, equal pay, I think those words get mixed up. Yeah. We're talking about equal revenue share. So for example, mm. the NBA, uh, their revenue share, I think is a little bit, I'm not exactly sure, so don't yeah. don't quote me on this. It's a little bit under over 50%. So that's like TV, marketing deals, jersey sales, like ticket sales. Down the players, like the organizations yeah. themselves? Yeah, so then when you get these major contracts, like we've seen right. all these guys sign these major, major yeah. contracts, it yeah. comes from all that revenue share. Got it. Right? The WNBA, we don't have that same revenue share. So we were fighting for a a more increased, maybe not exactly to the value that they get, but a more significant percentage of revenue. Right. So obviously that would increase pay, that would increase other benefits that we would get. But the problem is like, that's something you fight with in the CBA. Right. So we, we were working on that, but when it comes out on social, it's like, so-and-so wants to get paid as LeBron. No, that's yeah, not the case. They yeah. want the same percentage of revenue. Which makes total sense <laughs> Makes total to me. sense. Like, well, you know, people yeah. will hear what they want to hear. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's really something what it we've is. learned in the media this past <laughs> yeah. year, I think, is no. an accurate thing to say. Oh, that's 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 fascinating. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, I mean, you garnered a lot of, um, of coverage and attention when you were coming through high school and in college, obviously, and into, into the pros. Um, and I remember, I remember there was this one video of yours that went viral where you were throwing the thing into the stands. What was that at the, the, the you were at the halftime of the Spurs game or something like that? What was that? It was actually so funny because they were like, do you want to throw the shirt at halftime? I'm like, sure. And they're like, here's a t-shirt cannon to, to shoot them out. And I was like, no, I was like, no, it's fine. I'll throw it. So they said, okay. So before I went onto the court, they were like, hey, the number one pick, Kelsey and like, you could hear crickets. Yeah. <laughs> you can hear crickets. And I was just like, I get it. Like, they don't know me, but like, that sucks. So I was kind of like, not angry, but just like over it. Yeah. And so I took this shirt and I just fired it into the upper deck. And like, the crowd was like, whoa, like they loved it. So then they just kept giving me more shirts and I kept throwing it farther and farther. No way. And then it was hilarious because I didn't really think anything of it. Like the crowd got going at the end. I was like, okay, that was cool. I left. It was late. I went to bed. I woke up. I got a text from my cousin and it was like, yo, cuz you're on World Star. <laughs> and I'm trying to think like shit, what did I do? <laughs> literally, I was just like, oh my God, did they catch me on camera doing something? Like, I'm trying to think. I look up, I went from fifty thousand followers to like two hundred thousand no overnight. Wow. Because people like were and I think it was the day before the NFL draft. Yeah. So it was like it the Browns report, draft they brand, number exactly. one. Like, yeah, I just saw it all over GMs and NFL quarterbacks <laughs> tweeting that out. I was like, oh my gosh. So that's pretty much how it happened. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Ellen Ellen called me. Uh, I couldn't go. I had to go to see, like, I had to go to practice or whatever. I was just like, for a shirt. Ellen, like, Ellen, like, uh, yeah, the, the show. show called me. <laughs> <laughs> like, gee, can you come on the show? I was like, I can't. I've got practice. I got practice. Sorry, Ellen. We'll I'm take like, a rain check. Seriously, that's all it takes? <laughs> yeah. What about some of the relationships um, which you've built with some of the NBA players as well? I feel like, I think you might have mentioned you've built some relationships with some NBA players. Or, like, is there, is there, like, because I, I see it at least on the media, and I don't know if this is a facade mm-hmm. or not, but it seems like they also are taking a stake and an interest in promoting women's basketball as basketball, like that conversation we we're having earlier. Is that is that true to an extent, ish? Yeah, for sure. I think that um, they come to our games 
Um, we work out with them a lot and there's really just a mutual respect, yeah. right? And so I think that at times it sure can be frustrating because like Joe Schmo hates on you, but like LeBron comes to the game, daps you up and is like, yo, like keep doing what you're doing. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's good enough for LeBron, but whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, we go out with them. I mean, we live in Vegas, so, you know, those guys are in off season. They'll be in the clubs. We'll go out. Um, we have a very like fun team. You know, we have a lot of people that have um, a lot of pop on our team. So we go out, we have fun. I mean, a lot of those guys are great. I mean, I have uh, friends that I like talk to here and there. Um, DeJounte, because I went to school with him. Markel, I went to school with him. Um, so different people like that. But I have, um, I'm friends with, you know, some of the bigger guys or whatever. But really, at the end of the day, they're just people and they're cool and yeah. they support. And uh, we appreciate it. Yeah. That's got to be such a crazy dichotomy of like everybody seemingly hating on something but then you have like the the celebrities in that sport being like real recognized real and that mutual respect right that's got to kind of be a trip well it's funny too because like i i always you know me i'm a, a little bit of a trash shocker so i always joke no like, we, we had a game um and i think yeah lebron came he showed up like late second quarter like mid second quarter or something like that and uh after halftime i walked out and I saw him, I walked over, I said, what's up? And I was like, you're late. <laughs> I'm like, appreciate you coming, but like next time, like be here on time. That's like, so like you know, you yeah, just gotta yeah, mess yeah, with yeah. them, right? But yeah. um, no, I, we we really, and we're, I think we're getting there. Um, but I mean, that is just, it's kind of the world we live in, you know? Yeah, for sure. What are you most optimistic about for the future of women's basketball? or most excited about? That's a good question. I think the game is um, so elite right now. And I just think the continuum of pushing the boundaries on um, the speed of the game, the physicality, the size, um, and just growing the audience, right? Um, I, I would just say, I think that with social media and what it's been able to do to reach different groups of people, um, it's it's exciting of where it's going in terms of how fun it is to watch. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, so. I dig that. People people dunking in college right now. That's crazy. Dude, there's a girl on Stanford right now stealing the ball, running and dunking. It's just like. When are you going to be dunking? Is that coming up soon once you recover yeah, from your yeah, Achilles? You know, yeah, this is a super Achilles that they built me. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I'm right there. Yeah, I like it. I was giving you um, I was giving you some crap earlier but about your free throw percentage, which I think is, uh, which is a fun thing to uh, talk about <laughs> that I'm curious because <laughs> because of how high of a free throw percentage you have. Mm -hmm. Like, is it mental? Like, to, to take me through that. I'm really curious. I mean, like, it's so funny. I think you listen to people talk about, like, basketball, analyzing it and yeah. stuff. And it's complicated, but it's simple. Like, yeah. my dad always used to say, it's free. Yeah. Just take it. It's free. I'm like, okay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You yeah. step I up and make it. it. I, 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 just, I, I just am always shocked. It's like, you know how can someone like Shaquille O'Neal be so terrible at free throws? Okay. Well, okay. If you want to break it down like that. Yeah. So if you've ever seen his hand, yeah. it looks like that <laughs> yeah. when he's touching the ball. Right. And when you um, are that big and when you basically are running up and down, getting banged on all game, and then you're forced to sit still and make a shot. It's it's really difficult. Uh, yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? I, I feel People that. People are shoving him it. Yeah. all game, right? Yeah. So like imagine, I wouldn't say a boxing match, but imagine getting like yeah. a football game, just getting hit, 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 all, and all of a sudden you have to like shoot a free throw. Yeah. And people get so upset at these guys and I'm just like, listen, he's giving you 30 and 20, <laughs> like stop, right? Yeah. But yeah, people, fans, they want it all. That's they want so it funny. all. Uh, but I think it is reflective of your work ethic from what I remember seeing in high school, at least. Like you were always first one in the gym or always the last one out. And that was something that I remember really stuck with me was that mentality. Can you talk a little bit about your work ethic or your approach to putting work in? Yeah, I, I think um, I was just raised by, you know, uh, a family that, valued the um the ability to go out and take take what you want in life right in terms of like going like 
here's an opportunity. I'm going to this really prestigious high school, um, one of the best coaches in the country that I'm playing for in high school. Um, you know, opportunities on the table, either take it or leave it. So I'm not going to leave food on the plate. Yeah. You know, this is, that was always kind of the saying, right? And uh, yeah, I just really, I just wanted to get the most out of my experience. And I think I continue to do that um, kind of wherever I go. And I, I always compare it to like, all right, you never go into a test and you're never like upset that you overstudied, right? Mm. The only time that you're like freaking out is when you're like, okay, I didn't study. I didn't do anything. I didn't read the textbook. I'm going to go and wing it, right? Which you did a lot in high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if it translated to school, but like, you know what I'm saying? The effort yeah, was yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, it translated to free throws. <laughs> it translated to free throws. Listen, it translated to college and then it didn't because I, I had to go back and get my degree like after I left. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what, wait, what, what happened there? You had to go back? Dude, like I left early for the WNBA like because WNBA is in the summer. So you still have a, like a quarter left. Right. My classes, I thought they counted all the credits. They didn't. So I had like two courses no. left. Yeah. Oh. Ugh. <laughs> so I'm in Turkey trying to finish my degree. I'm just like, this is so trash. <laughs> Whatever. What were you doing in Turkey? Was this for uh, USA basketball? No, like, you know, we play the half season. the year. That's right. Yeah, we play half the year in the WNBA, and then we go over to Europe and we play another season. So as soon as the season ends in WNBA, do most WNBA players go do that? Yes. Wow. Yeah. And you go play. So you're playing pretty much year round. Literally. Wow. Yeah. That's so interesting. Like it's so interesting to remember too, because like the, there's there's no off season for there you. There is no off season. Wow. I think I had in the last three years, I had like a five day break, maybe total. Wow. And that's like not accounting. Wow. Like that's counting like traveling to and from. So it'd probably be more like three days. Sheesh. Yeah. So I see why this Achilles injury forced you to really slow down and how ground shaking that must have been to be on the couch for two weeks. Oh my gosh. I I was like in the house for two weeks. I hadn't done that since high school. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's wild. And so why Turkey for you? Um, I, well, like your agent basically mm -hmm. brings you offers. So I picked um, a really like, prestigious club in turkey that i i thought was going to be the best competition and um obviously you know like people have different priorities maybe location is more valuable than salary or right, whatever right i'm like dude put me in wherever yeah just yeah, I, yeah. I want money and i want to play basketball yeah so that was kind of i played in turkey for two seasons very cool and are you still part of that organization how does that work does that like a no a, pretty one much season? pretty much those contracts are either year to year or like one plus one right if they want to bring you back um so yeah like i obviously tore my achilles i'm not playing now but maybe next season i'll go back and play mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. and you did do some traveling for usa basketball too right yeah I, we played on the world championships um we played in uh tenerife where's that um off the coast of Africa, like oh, Canary Islands. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, so we've I've done there, I've been to Lith... I mean, man, if I don't know the name of the countries. Uh, <laughs> Lithuania, Yeah, probably. I've been to Lithuania, uh, World Championships again. I've been to Canada, Pan Am Games, um, working on Tokyo Very for this cool. season. So, yeah, I've been to some cool places. Do, do you ever stop and just think like, holy crap, I get paid to play basketball and i've been able to travel around the world playing basketball does that ever hit you i think it does um but it hits me more for like and i don't want to sound weird about this but like you get used to a certain type of lifestyle yeah and then for example you'll be with one of your friends or something and they'll be like oh my gosh this is so cool and you're like really like it's kind of normal, yeah, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, I think when you see other people have those moments, you're like, wait a second, this is really cool. I did have one moment where like, my favorite player of all time was Diana Shirazi. And um, I like, that's literally why I started playing basketball. Like she's the best player of all time, whatever. Um, I made the team with her to go to the world championships. Uh, it was now two years ago. And uh, she's sitting next to me in the middle of a timeout. And I just remember thinking, like, this is literally why I decided to play wow. basketball. She's sitting next to me. That's so cool. Like, this is so cool. So that that was like a moment of like, oh my God. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I get more giddy than that than like beating 
like LeBron or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. yeah, well, that's because that's close to home, for sure. right? That's like, that's not surface level out there. No. Mainstream, that's close to home. Wow. Yeah. Very, very, very cool. And did you know that, like, did you, when did you know that you're, that you wanted to make a career out of this? Like, did, did that happen because you just started playing and you were like, oh, you found out, hey, I'm good. Or did you like have that desire or dream to be in the WNBA when you were, when you were younger? Where did that come along the path? Yeah, it was like super cliche. Um, I saw Diana play when I was like nine or 10 when, when she was playing for Connecticut at UConn. And I just told my mom, I said, mom, I'm, I just want to let you know, I'm going to play in the WNBA. <laughs> that was 10. That was, that was it. And I never had a plan B. I know they say like, you're supposed. It's so fascinating. Uh, yeah. I you know, that. I'd be interested to see your thoughts about that because yeah. as a kid, as a parent, and I know we're not parents, but, um, I always appreciated how my parents never were like, ah, eh. you know, they were legit like okay, this is going to be hard, but if you want to do it, let's try. Right. So I, I, there was never like, I never once thought, and I know this sounds, now that I'm in it, it yeah. sounds crazy. I never once thought I was going to do anything besides that. It's very cool. I, I wonder how many other, like, it seems like it's probably 99% of professional athletes had that same thing. Maybe yeah. not 99, but the vast, vast majority. Cause it's almost like that's, that's a required, mm -hmm. it's a required tenacity. It's a required drive that you have to have to, um, to really put that first and foremost. Are you familiar with Tim Grover? Do you know Tim Grover? Yeah. Yeah. He, amazing book. Um, Relentless. He worked with Dwayne Wade, uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, Michael Jordan, and was their, their trainer. And so he's got an awesome book called Relentless talking about like, the the difference in like the greats and then like the all-time greats mm. right and like that difference what he refers to as like the cleaner and the person that is like there is no plan b that's one of the things that he says is like there is no plan b everything is on this plan a which is it's almost it's interesting to me because it's it, it almost seems like it's required for those things but obviously everybody that had like there's people that had that plan a and that was their only plan and they're forced to confront everybody at some point is forced to confront the idea of like hey this isn't going to work out for me anymore mm -hmm. it might happen when you're 40 years old right it might happen when you're 11 years old right like there's always that time where you realize okay you know this is probably isn't for me anymore and i think that being honest with yourself along that, because you couldn't just have that drive. You also had to have the skills and the talent that you were building to back you up with that. Would you agree? I I would agree. I would agree. There's a lot of things that have to go right. Uh, you have to have the skills. You have to have some type of athleticism. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. there are people that I find now that have the skills and have the drive, but they don't have the size, or yeah. they don't have the speed. So you do have to have a combo. Um, but I think ultimately the common denominator that I see in professional athletes that I'm around is like that uber amount of confidence. Yeah. Just like, I'm gonna get a bucket. Like some of my teammates, um, cause I, we, I mean, we're, our roster is loaded, right? Yeah, you've got a cool team. We have a great team and just like, give me the ball. Like that type of mentality um, is just kind of a separator. Yeah. And I'm sure that translates in business and everything absolutely yeah and what i find is that it's it's less of a confidence it's more of a certainty mm. and there's like there's a slight difference that i feel between that it's like certainty is the point between overconfidence and doubt usually when people are overconfident with something it's because it's covering up for like a real doubt that they feel that's where you get a lot of people that are overconfident and then it's like it's almost like a house of cards that can fall but certainty is like the solid rooted thing where it's just like give me the ball. Like I'm going to go get, I'm going to go get us a bucket. Like right. I'm going to go win this game right now. And, and that's something that I notice across the board with every, anybody that I've talked to that is successful in their field to their, you know, to their measurements. It's like, you have to have that certain, you have to have that belief in yourself. Mm. And, and that, that translates the board across the board. to even if you're, if you're working a nine to five, whatever it is, because if you can't believe in yourself, how do you expect your teammates to believe in yourself yeah. or your coach to believe in yourself? Or, or, or the people around you to believe in, believe in yourself. It's like, you got to believe in yourself first and foremost. You know, I'll take that a step further. And I've realized that I've done it. And in quarantine, I've like actively tried to work on it. Um, 
I think we, a lot of times, put ourselves down not even knowing it. It's like, yo, I suck at this. Mm -hmm. Or like, ugh, I'm sorry. Or like, yo, my bad. And it's like, wait a second. I didn't do anything wrong. Why am I apologizing? Mm. And it's not, that's not like an arrogance. That's just like, wait a second. Like, you're not sorry. Or like, no, you don't suck. You just missed. Yeah. Or like, you know what I mean? And those little things matter. Like, they really do matter. And so I've learned like, when someone like there's a mix up or whatever, I I don't like just like you know like put right, my head down and submit. Right, right. Like I know it sounds like, <laughs> it like whatever. The of the age. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you just take <laughs> yeah. it, just take it. Like I don't like I and it might be socially a little bit awkward, but I I've realized like that is technically putting myself second. And like if I'm gonna keep trying to go where I want to go, that's not how it's gonna happen. Yeah. Big time, big time. Have you noticed that? Yeah, big, absolutely. It's just, it's, you know, that that self-talk, that track that we're playing, that voice that's in the back of our head all day, like, that doesn't stop. And the way, what we're doing to feed that is so important. And just acknowledging, first and foremost, what 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 is this voice telling me what's actually going on here is the first step to actually notice, to have that awareness to notice, like, hold up, that actually feels like I'm putting myself down. I don't want to do that. Like, Mm -hmm. where did you develop that awareness? Was that something you feel like you always had? How have you developed that awareness? I I don't even know if I read it somewhere. Um, It was like a combo. It was like not just putting yourself down, but also like you have to be your biggest fan. And to the point where like sometimes it's funny, but I'd be like, yo, good shit. Like, that was good. Like, like all, all jokes aside, I think getting through some of the things like workout wise or mentally that I'm that I have to do and then telling your like literally actively speaking it like yo good job like you did that I don't need assurance from anyone else I don't need assurance from you know I don't even want to see me do it but me telling myself that actively I I don't know I just think it's really helped me um just be super like I've always been a confident person but I think it's just more of like no I'm really really comfortable in my skin and I'm really comfortable doing what I what I'm good at I don't know you've got to be your biggest fan you gotta you gotta hype yourself up like I was talking I was like kind of babysitting the other day with some kids and we were playing connect four mm. and this kid his name is Beckham um sweet kid he's like oh I suck at this and I'm like N- wait a second this is a 10-year-old telling me that he's bad at something. We haven't even started yet. Mm. Where does that come from? Right. You know? And it's like, is that an insecurity to like get other people to tell you like, no, you don't, right? Or mm. is that coming from you really believe that? Or you're going to suck if you tell yourself you are. Point blank, right? So I just think that I literally, so I was like, yo, give me five push-ups. <laughs> don't ever say that again. Not around me. Like, period. And I know that's like, I know that's really intense or whatever, but I, love it. I think that it just matters. I love it. It so matters. Well, the the language that we use programs our subconscious and our mm-hmm. subconscious our subconscious is like as our operating system. You know, most people don't understand this, but of our mind, let me just ask you, how what percent of our mind would you guess is our conscious thinking mind versus what percent is our subconscious habit driven non-thinking mind? If you had to guess. I would say less than like 7%. Wow, pretty spot on. 5 5%. You're right on there. 95% is the non-thinking subconscious mind. It's the it's the part of our operating system, our our mind that is controlling your digestion right now and thermal regulation and vasodilation and all these amazing things and also things like brushing your teeth before bed or your default habits. Most people, you know, the first thing your alarm goes off hitting snooze or going through Instagram or when you hit something (laughs) or when something comes up being like, oh, I suck at this. It's that thing. The cool part is that we can rewire that Mm. and we rewire it through repetition and emotion. So when we repeat certain things over and over again, we reprogram that. It's like a software. It's like a software upgrade for our phone. So the, 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 the thing around the, the language is really important to remember is that when I say over and over and over again, oh, I can't do this. I suck at this. I suck at this. I'm a bad driver. I'm about all these negative affirming things. We're going to start to believe that. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to find resonance with the outside world that that's to, to support that belief. And so he's going to he's going to suck at connect four because of that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm always I geek out on the psychology behind it because it's like it makes so much sense when you see that. And it also makes sense then when you're telling yourself, wait, wait, hold up. 
give yo, give me 10 push-ups right now or five or whatever his, his, his age was. And let's, t- let's write a new story. Let's tell ourselves a new story, the story that we want to hear. Mm. So that's good stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. What, what story are you telling yourself these days? I I have learned about myself that no one can do what I do. And because of that, I need to lean into that more. I think that especially being a female, especially growing up in a society that doesn't encourage you to lean into that, um, there's like a you fight it sometimes. And it's like, you want to be humble. You want to be grounded. You want to be, um, you don't want to come across as arrogant. And it's like, that's not arrogance. That's just like this type of belief, knowing that like, no, I'm one of the best players in the world. I'm one of the best shooters in the world. And like at the end of the day, like in the big moments, I'm, that's where I want to shine. Right. So I think, uh, continuing to lean into that and manifesting that is going to be the biggest difference going forward for me. Love that. Love that. And where do you want to go? Like you mentioned earlier, for the things that you want to do in, in the game and where you want to go, like where do you want to go? Do you have that defined? Do you know what you want to do? How do you want to leave your mark on this? Yeah, I'm starting right now with uh, getting back on the court, first of all, because I think yeah. that if I look too broad, yeah, it's like you start you know, getting, I, I'm focused right now, like every day in rehab, doing all the little things that is going to get me back. Right. And then from there, we're going to work on to the next thing, but I'm, I'm, I'm in here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a very wise approach and an awesome <laughs> answer. I love that. Focus on the next step. Cause you know that, you know, you, you take that next step and the next step will unfold. And then you take that next step, the next step will unfold. And you kind of keep following the yellow brick road. As I say, we're just walking on the yellow brick road. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what about life after basketball? Is there, is that, is that in your consciousness at all? Is that in your mind at all? I'm so over that question. Mm. Is a question you get a lot. Yeah. I was thinking about this on the way over here. Would you ever ask that to someone that was like in business? What about life after business? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Would you ever ask to someone that's in entrepreneurship or accounting or? No, that's a good point. No. Because I I think the difference with that is that like with, with basketball, with a sport, you know that there is a, there's an expiration date. Right? Yeah, for and sure. There certainly is too in business or whatever else, but there's less of a clear like retirement, right? Because someone could, could work till they die. Mm-hmm. Like you can't play basketball until you know you're in you're 120 years old or however long you plan on living. No, to. you can't. And so I get will- where that question comes from, but you're right. That's a really valuable point. Tell me more about why you hate that question. I mean, I'm 26. <laughs> like, what we keep asking. LeBron, when he's going to like move on, he's in, he's playing phenomenally. Why are we asking him? Why don't we just stick? Why we are so focused on like here, we don't appreciate here. Mm. I'm like, dude, I now I think I'm gonna be a little bit like, I don't want to say hostile, but I'll be like, I don't doesn't matter. Like I know, mm. but like it's not it's not what's important to me right now because I feel like if I put a couple eggs, I got here by doing it this way. Yeah. Why would I start to put a couple eggs in here when mm-hmm. I, to be able, and you know this, to be able to hit these certain levels and climb, to climb is so difficult, especially when you're already at a high level. I, I can't afford to like deviate, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm here. I love that. It builds. It's like, it's an irrelevant question. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> what's the, yeah, like why, what's next for you like yeah you know yeah that's it's a it's a great question I, I i think the thing that i'm curious to get at with that is where where does kelsey's and i think that through the process of this injury right now you're asking yourself these questions of like who am i really mm-hmm. like what is my identity and those are questions i think those are valuable questions for everybody to ask it's really interesting how you're right that is just funneled towards the towards like any athletes or professional athletes what about life after this the answer i would respond back is what about life after life <laughs> just shut them up real quick there we go that's going to be my new answer i'm really going to say that yeah because you get asked that almost even if it's not in a professional setting but it's like you know 
a dinner party or something. So what's after basketball? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I'll figure out when I'm dead. Like, I don't know. That's great. Yeah. I like that. Um, tell me a little bit about, I saw that you um, were doing something with the UFC. I saw I saw some video of you with Dana White doing some shenanigans. What what's going on there? Can I ask? Like, yeah. first of all, yeah. when you saw that, what was your reaction? I was just like, of course. Like, <laughs> I was just like, of course, Kelsey's over here messing around with Dana White, like picking UFC fights. I don't know, but I think there's a story behind that because it was something that you wanted to do. Is that right? Is it something that you were interested in doing? And then so it. Stupid. <laughs> what, what happened there? I. So I rehab at the Performance Institute in Las Vegas. That's mm -hmm. their headquarters. I was literally joking one day. I saw um, one fighter that I'm close with, Kevin Lee. And then there was another guy. Uh, his name is Michael. And I went up to Kevin and I kind of like pointed over to Michael. I'm like, Kev, what's up? I'm like, you take him? He's like, yeah, I'll kill him. I'm like, yeah. And these UFC fighters, they all have screws loose. <laughs> Like, you have to have a screw loose yeah. to do this for a living, yeah. right? So I'm like, yeah, bet, bet. So I kind of make my way over to Mike. I'm like, Mike, man, <laughs> word on the street, like, it's not looking good for you. Hey, what are you talking about? I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying, Kev over there, he says, like, you can't hang. Oh, hell no, I'll beat his boy. Yeah. So I'm like, yep, yeah, okay, okay. And I'm like joking, right? Five minutes later, I see them like eyeing each other from across the room. Like, and I'm like, oh my God, what did I just do? Like, I just matched up a fight, didn't even mean to, like, unpurposely. So, joking on Instagram, I was like, yo, Dana, sign me up. Like, I'm really good at this. Sure enough, a day later, I get a text from like his PR person. It's like, hey, are you free? On Tuesday, we want to have you in the matchmaking meetings. <laughs> I'm like, this is a joke. <laughs> so I'm laughing. I come back. I tell everybody. And they're like, well, dude, have you thought of this match? Because people are very strategic. Like, yeah. it's not just weight class. I mean, there's so many factors, stylistically, views, you know, pay-per-view, all this stuff, areas, whatever. So I just get a notepad and a pen. And I'm like, who do you think would be good? Da, 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 da. Who do you think would be a da, 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 da. I go into the matchmaking meeting. I'm like, yo, Dana, how about this? So he's like, that's it. So then they have me match it up and I get the credit. And I'm just like, dude, I stole everyone's stuff, but I'm here for it. That is <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, was that fun? Was that a fun process? It was the most fun thing ever. And I think they had no idea what to expect. Yeah. I mean, like this random WNBA player, like they did it for promotional reasons, of course. And I walk in there, but you know me, like, I'm very comfortable in that type of setting with yeah, the guys. Yeah, thrive, yeah. Whatever. So I just started shooting the shit with them, and they're just like- Loving it. They loved it. Oh, they're yeah. like, yo! You know, I'm like, yo, where's the whiskey at? Like, <laughs> give me some whiskey to go. I mean, like, man. And then, like, people were just, like, so fascinated by it. I had interviews for days after. <laughs> just, like, from MMA, different things, and then people are like, are you going to get in the ring? I'm like, I would never. <laughs> it's just, like, so many different things. I just love that. I just I'm picturing you in the gym, just instigating oh. these two guys. Like that's that sounds like uh, that sounds like Kelsey. That sounds like a good job for you. <laughs> picking fights, <laughs> literally picking fights for other people to fight. Yeah, of course, of course. And then leaving. You can do that yeah, really well. Pretty much. <laughs> oh gosh, funny. not much has changed. Yeah, yeah. That, that's fun. That's 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 like a fun thing. Is there like is there any opportunity to do more of that in the future if you want to? Perhaps. I mean, to be honest, it's really probably just about networking. Yeah. And like, um, it's it's been super fascinating to be in this type of environment because um, I didn't really know much about UFC in general. I mean, I've watched it, but I don't know what I'm watching, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, so just appreciating them and the athletes and then kind of, you know, talking to Dana and getting more of a behind the scenes look at what really goes into it. It's super fascinating. I mean, I would not be close to, you know, after basketball, you know, just an opportunity yeah. to like, work there or whatever i don't even know but um the energy is great there i love it very cool um one more thing i want to chat with you about um the role of coaches the role that coaches have played in your development mm. i know that you're really close with or i don't know if you're still close with with coach bamford from <laughs> country day i presume um and uh I, i'm curious to hear from your perspective like the role that coaches have played in your development and in your life wow well, I, like, I worked out with Coach Bamford this morning. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, 
Man, I I feel again super blessed in that category because uh, um, whether it's been like younger years, high school coach, college coach, I've always been really empowered. Mm-hmm. I think coaches have always um, allowed me to be the best version of myself, and I've seen um, friends and you know I've heard other people's stories about how that's not the case, and I think a great coach can really make the difference. Um, and I just like, I tell people all the time, I'm like, I went to Washington and I played for Mike Neighbors and there's no way I would have been able to do what I, I've done. I mean, I've done, I think it would have done well and I would have still been in the WNBA, but I don't, I don't think I would have had the same type of hype and opportunities and stuff like that because I was just given such a freedom and they had so much confidence in me. Um, there was no basically like, I wasn't looking over to my shoulder to get pulled out if I didn't play well or, you know, there's a lot of those things Mm -hmm. that people Mm -hmm. have to deal with coming up. Um, I was just super fortunate to like, here you go. Let it fly. Like, let it fly. And, you know, even I think that's another reason going into the pros, I had a difficult transition because I had never had that like, all right, well, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you're out. Right. Mm. Like I had had to learn that. but man, I think coaches um, empowering their players is a game changer. And I think we need a lot more of it. I don't think there's enough. Yeah, yeah. Would you say that's true? 100%. Well, I mean, I always say like the whole coaching industry too, mm-hmm. outside of sports. When I when I got into this coaching industry four years ago, I started working with a coach. I, you know, I was like coaching, like he's like, oh yeah, I'm a coach. I'm like, like basketball, football, what are you talking about? He's like, no, 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 like a career coach. Mm. Like, interesting that's a thing i'm like that doesn't really make sense life coaches career coaches relationship coaches all these different types of professionals and people that have expertise or experience to help guide you and and i was thinking well if you know if lebron has coaches why should i have coaches if oprah has five coaches i want six coaches mm. right it's like <laughs> yeah, you know what i'm yeah. saying it's kind of like that well there's clearly you know this idea that mentorship continues and you don't stop learning after you graduate high school or college mm. like you know you, the 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 learning and growth can continue so i i completely agree with you um from a basketball standpoint what's that fine line between going out and letting it fly versus being able to receive some feedback or actually improve your game? Like, was that happening too, I presume? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Coach Bamford to this day is like a second mother to me, but she, I mean, I was kicked out of the gym a couple times. Like, we we would get into it, right? Um, But she always came back. Mm -hmm. Like, it was, it was, uh, she pushed me, and I think coaches know how to push their players in different ways. You know, you might need something different than I do. So just knowing when to do when is the difference. Um, You know, I I just think that um, some of those coaches have a gift to be able to like press a certain button that they need to, to get you to do what they need you to do. Yeah, makes sense. And the good coaches know how and when to push and the kind of degrees and when you might need certain things. Yeah, and I've played for a spectrum of coaches. I've played for female. I've played for male. I've played for um, coaches that are super like, it's okay next time, and I play for Bill Ambeer currently. I play for a bad boy. You know what I'm saying? So like, you have to be able to, and I think the best players, and not even players, this is translated into all different facets of life, are adaptable. So being able to take the good from every person, because I think everyone can really give you something. and maximize that and focus on that versus maybe it's not always said in the right way. It's not always said at the right time. It's going to hurt your feelings. So just being able to be humble enough to receive it, yeah. but confident enough to go out and produce it. Well said. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Oh, man. Uh, Kelsey, this has been awesome. This has been a great conversation. Thank you for coming by. Is there any is there any last uh, words of wisdom that you might share or any advice you might give to people out there? Golly, I mean, you've asked such great questions. I, I, can I ask you for some words of wisdom? <laughs> I'm learning about psychology and talking to myself. Keep going. Yeah, no, that's it. I, I loved, I really resonate and love what you said about um, you got to be your biggest fan. Mm. And I think that's so lacking for people. 
I think that's I, I was just I was just talking about this the other day, but it's like you got to believe you got to believe in yourself. You got to believe in something. I, too, have faith. I believe in God. I believe that there's a there's a plan. I believe that there's a higher power that's orchestrating these things. Right. I, I, I genuinely have that belief. And the cool part is that with beliefs another psychology trip here is that a belief is just a thought we get really good at thinking that we don't need to think it again. So we can form new beliefs because we have neuroplasticity. Our brain is neuroplastic, so it can form new neurological connections based on what we're constantly repeating and telling ourselves. So we can believe whatever we want to believe. This is how we believed in Santa Claus. We're coming up on Christmas. Tomorrow's Christmas Eve, right? Like, So we believe in Santa Claus is because we kept thinking that there was this man flying around the sky with reindeers coming down the chimney. <laughs> and we had other people that also fed into that belief. So mm. to me, there's just this amazing importance of of affirming that belief in yourself, building that belief in yourself and the people around you who are going to buy into that belief as well. So like that's that's the thing that I'm really taking away from this is that you got to be your biggest fan. The self-talk matters and not um, not putting yourself down or not instantly. I think the, the, the translation there of like people pleasing is a, is a big thing. Yeah. And not just automatically submitting or, or just going into people pleasing mode because that actually can devalue your opinion and yourself and your experience. I think that's an important thing that a lot of people have opportunity to work on as well as myself. So, um, yeah, interesting, interesting stuff here to digest that I'm excited to play with over the next few weeks. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. Pleasure as always. I'm excited to do this again. Hopefully, it doesn't doesn't take another four years for us to sit down and have a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) We'll make sure it doesn't. But uh, all the best. Best of luck with this uh, recovery here. Excited to uh, see you back out on the court. Thanks. 